0: First Light. First Light Camo. We uh, rock a lot of their gear a lot of the time. In fact, on a daily basis, I wear an article of First Light clothing, whether it be underwear or one of their uh, their Merino wool t-shirts. Great stuff. If you are a whitetail hunter, it's great stuff if you hunt out west. We love it.
1: Their wool is top of the line. Merino wool is the way to go. I'll never wear anything but Merino.
0: And they've got the new gray color. Yes. Uh, Check that out. It's really sweet. FirstLight.com. Is that HuntWise? (laughs) (laughs) Get Uh, it. Another sponsor of this podcast is HuntWise. It's an app that's basically your one-stop shop when you want to do anything with hunting on your phone. Um, It's got social media. It's got mapping software. It has a place to buy gear. Um, it's, It's awesome. And actually, this past weekend, Jared and I went to the ATA show and parked downtown. And Jared, you used your HuntWise app in a very created way well, how'd you
1: use it plotted a spot where the car was parked and tr- <laughs> tracked the map all the way to the theater
0: so it'll help you find your tree stand or your parked car if you want to learn more go to huntwise.com last but not least sterka optics, optics. do you say sterka i say stirka. great binoculars great rifle scopes
1: yeah i'm actually going to be rocking one on my uh, ar build that i have a
0: little red dot action. Great warranty made in the U.S. Uh, Check them out, sterkastrong.com. Hello and welcome to the Boga Hunting Podcast. Last week we talked with Mark Peterson about choosing an outfitter for an out-of-state hunt. This week we're talking about how to do a DIY hunt with Aaron Warbritton from the Hunting Public Crew. We covered things like picking a state, picking an area, pinch points, whether aliens exist. I even actually came clean about a crime I committed as as a young child. We hope you enjoy, follow along, and let's strengthen your hunt. Okay, well, before we go into it, you want to introduce yourself for the podcast, and then we'll kind yeah. of go into a few things.
2: Well, I'm from Northeast Missouri. I grew up in a little town called Paris. Okay. Uh, with about 900 people in it. I graduated high school with 38 30, other kids.
0: 38 in your whole grade?
2: Yep. Nice.
0: You said Real that was small. high school?
2: Yeah, that was in high school. and my whole family is from that general part of the world in northeast missouri farming little farming communities and such Mm -hmm. and just pretty much grew up hunting and fishing that was what my whole family loved to do if they weren't working or farming so that's consequently what i did
1: what type of farm did you have
2: my cousins and uncle farmed a fairly small property and then rented some ground when i was growing up and they farmed agriculture on it and then or i mean like soybeans and milo and corn they also have owned cattle throughout my entire life when i was a kid they even had some hogs and stuff too okay so
1: how many head would you guys usually have
2: i couldn't even tell you i mean it's fairly small I, i mean it's been a while since i've been around it but my uncle my cousins basically just grew up living on a on about a thirty forty acre farm. Okay. You know, and that's where we had every, they they had hogs right there on dirt, grazed them on dirt right next to the house, and mm-hmm. then they had cattle in the back pasture, and then rented hundred acres or so to farm row crop. So it was small,
1: mm-hmm. it was
2: real small. But that's that's what it was like when I was a kid. There was right. quite a few of those still left. But
1: I bet you got in your fair share of hunting down there then with all that farm. Oh yeah. There
2: lots and lots of hunting growing up.
1: You know,
0: I want to take a moment to admit something. That I've, I don't know that I've admitted oh to anybody. I grew up in kind of the the country, at least for here in Michigan, and we had at the end of our dirt road, somebody would put out a corn stand. <laughs> and you could yep. uh, you go, you drop money in the bucket, you get corn. So my mom sends me and my friend Jeff. She says, "Go go get some corn. We're going to make corn for dinner tonight." And so I'm walking and I'm thinking On both sides of the road, there's corn. Mm -hmm. Why am I walking all the way down to the end of the road? (laughs) I could just grab some of this corn. And so I'm like, well, you know, I feel like I'm being actually pretty smart about all this. Yeah, of course. Grab the corn. I threw it in my little plastic bag she gave me. Walked back, saved five bucks. And I basically double stole, I think is what that actually (laughs) happened. I feel pretty (laughs) bad about that. Yeah, you know, that's awesome so yeah and you know what it was the uh it was not people corn either no. so <laughs> only you dude yeah that's my bad so Aaron you know for people who maybe live under a rock they wouldn't know that you you guys started the hunting public you want to tell everybody you know listeners about kind of what you are who you are and maybe what your mission is
2: as a, as a group yeah sure I mean we basically started this out of necessity in our minds anyway we've we're all just regular average guys that grew up hunting. I mean, we all come from different parts of the country, but right. all grew up in similar backgrounds. You know, going to deer camp every year was like a holiday, basically. Yep. And yep. just grew up small game hunting and eventually deer and turkey hunting. It was something that we loved, you know, it's something that was a huge part of our lives. And we just felt like we wanted to make uh, make videos that represented the average hunter essentially Mm -hmm. that they could relate to well i think that's
0: that's kind of like the biggest thing you know you guys grew i mean ridiculously fast because it felt like overnight it went from never heard of you to everybody knew about you and i feel like part of that was because your videos are so i mean they're not they're edited but they're not like over the top and i feel like you know they're kind of live action you're following Mm -hmm. along on a hunt which makes it feel like you're out with your buddies hunting which is pretty cool
2: yeah, and that's kind of what we've always tried to portray. I mean, people seem to like the team aspect of it, yeah. and and that's how we would prefer to do things. You know, if we had our choice, we love hunting with our buddies. So we, right. when we go on these trips or whatever, one of us will get a tag, and the other two or three guys will just pitch in and try to help that person get their deer or their turkey or whatever, and then whenever they, they get something, it's like, you know, everybody – pitched in it was a it was a complete team effort yeah so people get to see our genuine excitement for our buddy or whoever it is you know yeah. in our group that fills the tag because it's you know at the end of the day it's not about it's not solely about killing an animal there's a lot of other things that go into it yeah you know and a lot of other reasons why we do it and we just wanted to, to show people that show and basically to show people that they could have a positive experience out there on public land where everybody else can go. We just want to show people that they could do exactly what we were doing, get a group of buddies together or family or whatever, and then go on an adventure. And you can have those adventures in your backyard right. a lot of times.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, you know? that's like I said, that's that's the, the you know, I, I watch, I think I messaged you this before, but. You know, I'll be sitting at work. I'll put a little window up on the side, pop my headphones in, follow along for the day. Especially if it's like you know in October and I have to sit mm-hmm. stuck in the office. It's it's awesome to follow along with you guys. So a lot of people uh, I know uh, kind of appreciate the work that you're doing. Thanks. So, yeah, you give
1: us our little hunting fix. While yeah, we're in you the know.
0: Office. Yeah, exactly. Even when you don't get one, it's like, oh, you know, at least I got got my fix for the day. You I'm know, hunting with at a least virtual the hunting buddy. public guys got a block. Exactly, or <laughs> close. You
1: yeah. guys. I mean, this
0: year too, you guys got had some really cool close encounters. You went to cool different places. Mm-hmm. And kind of the reason we wanted to talk to you today was right now we're doing a series uh, of podcasts and, and articles for, for guys who are getting into hunting or mm-hmm. trying to to learn more. And so we're, we're hoping to cover with you uh, a little bit about how to hunt out of state or in a new area. And so sure. we know you guys have done a bit of it. How, actually, how many states... Have you hunted Whitetail in now? What's the What's the tally?
2: That's a good question. <laughs> more or less, more or less Put than your graduating spot. class. Hmm. Not, nah, it's less than that. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think, man. I'd have to, th- I'd have to really crunch on that. But I'm sure that it's if you calculated it as a group, you yep. know, amongst us yep. all, it's probably between 15 and 20 states. Actually, it's probably more than that. It's probably between 20. It's probably right around 20 states. I would yeah. say, or close to it. I mean there there's we've been all over the place we've hunted more states for turkeys than we have for deer okay but that's kind of one of our goals is just to get to as many different areas that have deer in them as possible you well, know
0: and you were in our fine state michigan hmm. this year the yep. superior state is that what we yes, are we were. no we're not the superior state
1: aren't we the great Lakes state
0: i don't know shouldn't i know this i don't know Damn, it. You know, I do know our. Uh, I think
1: I didn't do well in school. Our
0: Latin saying or whatever on our flag. Do you know what it means? No, I don't know what the Latin is. If you seek a pleasant peninsula, look around you.
1: Wealth of knowledge. You know?
0: James. So, Chancera. you, you <laughs> Exactly. So I figured you guys are the best <laughs> best guys for getting information for going out of state. You guys have gone north, west, east, south, basically all the directions. Mm-hmm. So. When you're first, well, we can
2: certainly tell you what not to do.
0: Yeah, well, that was kind of that was kind of what I was hoping to get to. Exactly, like when when you're starting out looking for looking for a state, say it's a new state you've never been to, um, like what's your where's your starting point?
2: Oh man, we're usually thinking about it way ahead of time, okay, um, months ahead of time, and that's not to say that that's how you have to do it. You know, you can also just pick up and and take off, right? And that's that's also doable, but. Yeah, I'm trying to think, man. Usually, we start off in the summer just getting on maps and trying to identify the area that we want to go, the general area of the state. Yeah. And it's rarely just one individual area. Like, For example, when we came to Michigan this last fall, yeah. we looked at two, uh, three different regions of the state. You know, we were looking in the southeast portion. We were looking in the southwest portion. We were looking up in the north central portion of mm-hmm. the state. Obviously, we're trying to find areas where we think it'll, they'll hold plenty of deer and yeah. have maybe less lesser amounts of hunting pressure. But what it comes down to when we're... <laughs> Good one. Right, right. Michigan, it's tough. Yeah. It's pretty thick up there But um, as far as hunters go. But what it comes down to when we're picking an area is we want to have options. So we want to put our camp in a location where we can get, to within driving distance, you know, an hour and a half or so. Yep. Where we can get to multiple public areas, if possible. So you're looking and at, we'll like, camp- a
1: three-hour diameter, you're almost looking at. Just yeah, within we're that looking circle. at a, Interesting.
2: Right, because we're going to a new state, and there's—the one thing that we—that is— proven to be true over and over again is that surprises are going to happen like you're gonna have you're gonna have things pop up that you didn't anticipate and all sorts of stuff so the best way to avoid losing a ton of time on your short trips is to put yourself in an area where you got multiple options efficiency is always at top of mind when we're picking those areas and once we do that we'll start making phone calls to like area biologists. Yep. And usually you can just do some Google searches and find some people that to get in contact with and just asking general questions about the areas, you know, not asking for a spot to go, mm-hmm. just, you know, finding out how difficult the roads are to drive on. Like, is there sure. some areas of, of the public land that are walk-in traffic only is there some areas with special regulations that I'm not familiar with and, and so on and so forth. And then you ask them about the pre- the hunting pressure in the area yeah. and, and the deer hunting quality in the area. But to be honest, they all all say the same thing about just about every public area on the map, regardless of Michigan, wherever it is. Everybody always says, you know, well, there's quite a bit of pressure on the weekends, not as much during the week, That's and there's what a good I amount hear. of deer out
0: yeah. there. Uh, I heard a lot of that this year, Mike. Well...
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah. As far as as far as finding deer goes, that takes place later for okay. us anyway. It's just it's getting the logistical aspects of the hunt buttoned up before you leave. Yeah. Because knowing knowing the areas, you know where those special regulations are. Maybe maybe there's a particular WMA within a big public area that's archery only. Yep. But just looking at an ONX, you may not know that until you do, dig in and do some research. So that's the initial steps that we take. You know, and I could talk about that for, for hours because there's lots and lots of details involved mm-hmm. with that.
0: Now, you, uh, so are you, you mean, when you're seeing something like, you know, archery only, you're, you're loving that, I would imagine, right? A lot less pressure, a lot better deer herds. Are you, are you seeing that to be true or is that just kind of an assumption that, that people make that's not necessarily the case?
2: No, that's true in a lot of cases. Not always, not always the case. I mean, we're looking at areas where uh, some areas are only open half the day. I mean, it, right all this stuff just changes drastically from depending on who manages the property right so there's all sorts of different public properties with different regulations whether it's managed by the state or the feds or the county or you know whatever trying to you got to figure out all that stuff before you go because that's the last thing you want to have happen is get there and then go take off on this public area that you've been scouting and then look up and see a bunch of signs that say no hunting allowed <laughs> have you done that you yet? know Oh yeah, I mean we've got the areas before where we were like, man, this this spot right next to Camp looks really good and then we got there and we looked and there were signs everywhere that says no hunting allowed and it was uh, public land. Yeah. But it was just a a portion of that public property where no hunting was allowed. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't Yeah, it, it was just it's it's hard to predict all of those things accurately, but the more research that you do about it ahead of time, the easier it is to to navigate some of those pitfalls
0: yeah the regulations can even be interesting like where we went uh what we typically do we go pr- fairly far back and so when we get a deer a lot of times we'll quarter it out you know clean off uh, clean it up and everything mm-hmm. throw it in a backpack and get it out of there sure. and yep. uh, a lot of places you cannot quarter a deer or right you got to bring the spine you got to bring the spine back mm-hmm. intact for for um testing which was the case for wisconsin this year yeah. i believe right that drag sucked that dude There's nothing
1: worse, actually. Dragging a deer out of the woods is tough on its own. Yeah. But then having to drag a a legless buck, which isn't bad, but then everyone has something in it. Has legs. (laughs) Yeah, because everyone has something. You
0: shot one. It ran it swam across the river. We tried to put it in our inflatable boat. By the way, I had to try to reseal it because the antler went through the side of the boat. We had to walk. I mean, that was just a brutal night, but you get back at like three in the morning. It's like four degrees. <laughs> that well was earned. a rough night. Yeah, man. We oh, call man. that
2: survivaling. That's what, <laughs> that's what, that's what we say. Yeah. And that's all it is. It's just like problem solving on the fly, man, because you just run into all kinds of issues when you're, you know. <laughs> hours from home living out of a truck pretty much for a whole week but you're
0: tired and yes. cold there's a picture of you guys all laying on the ground we when we finally realized <laughs> there's just there's only one way to do it and it's the worst way just you look back and everybody's laying on the just ground laid for a minute. straight on the ground
2: man <laughs> sprawled yep. out
1: like i was about to make a snow angel
2: <laughs> yeah man been there
0: Yeah, so that's regulations is key. And, you know, it takes a lot of time to figure out because everything is different. Are you keeping notes as you're doing this? Are you you putting together like a, like a, what is it, Evernote? Is that what it's called? OneNote? Anything like that? Well, we, notepad?
2: We just put log everything into Onyx pretty much. When we're marking pins and whatnot ahead of time, we'll just attach notes to those and try to figure, I mean, when, when we, When we're doing that scouting, e-scouting from the computer and we're marking pins ahead of time, all that transfers over to our app on the phone, you know. So when we get out on the road, we can start to figure stuff out. But we're not scouting for deer, like I said, first off. We're, We're always looking at, like, parking areas or roads or you know, potentially spots within the, the unit or wherever that you're looking at that would be difficult to access. Yeah. And then we're just, we're just dropping a pin there on that overall area, mm-hmm. you know, and then once we get in there and start looking around, then we'll start going into detail a little bit more. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of cases you'll, you'll have, you know, 10,000 acres of public land. We write off 80% of that initially before we even get there.
0: You're just, what are you doing? Boundaries or road stuff yeah i mean we're,
2: we're looking at stuff that that is mo- most likely to get accessed and pressured and we're just crossing all that off immediately not to mm-hmm. say that we won't end up hunting there because oftentimes we do you know once we get there and put boots on the ground and, and start calculating what type of pressure is going on that day yeah that stuff can all change but to make things more efficient from a scouting perspective we cross all that stuff off and we look for the the hardest to access areas or the overlooked areas that are real close to the road. And then we'll just mark those generally on the map. And then when we get there, we have, you know, six, seven options on that area to go check. Yeah. And that's what we do after we set up camp and do all those things is we'll spend a bunch of time going from A to B to C to D yep. and checking for pressure and then speed scouting, like zipping in there real quick and seeing if there's deer sign or maybe getting to a point where we can observe it. Yeah. The main thing is having a bunch of those spots picked out so that you can just run through them really quick. Yeah,
0: I like that. You know, I like the idea, and we we hadn't done that in the past where you park and you're with about an hour and a half within hour and a half of, of the location. Because where we've always gone, it's like right within like 20 minutes, and yeah, you, you get pretty locked into a certain
2: area that way. Oh yeah, I mean, oftentimes we'll we'll camp at a spot like that where we can hunt five minutes from camp. And we'll start hunting the first day right there. And by the end of the trip, we're, we're killing something an hour and a half away, you know, just because the tires are taking you that way. You know, I mean, you're, you're going, you're just running through all of those, all those different options until you find what you're looking for. And, and what we're looking for is usually the lack of pressure and deer sign, fresh deer sign or actual sightings of deer. Yeah. And that can all change within just a couple of days, depending on the, the pressure that's in the area, the hunting pressure, yeah. because they can, especially in those little areas, people can move deer around, you know, in the rut, deer can travel a long ways. A doe could come into heat overnight. Yeah. And before you know it, the area that was completely dead two days ago is is on fire now. Yeah. And there's yeah. nobody there. Staying mobile is very, very key. And not just staying mobile, like with a tree stand or a saddle, Staying mobile, like with the truck, yeah, and and going from spot to spot to spot. That's how we get on deer really fast in those areas.
0: Yeah, that mobile mindset. That's key. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think a lot of guys get just hung up or just
1: kind of over dedicated to just one spot yeah or one area my brother's got
0: sent, sent me this meme of a, a cow that's like all dried up looks like a raisin and a guy full of buckets and he's like walking to milk it again and he's like most hunters walk into their hunting spot just trying to get the <laughs> last little drops of milk out uh, and i think that's just the case i feel like that mobility mindset is is huge but i have to ask when you were in michigan what was the what was the hot ticket what was the uh this what's the secret to being successful in our home state uh, not to
2: sound not to sound cliche or anything but we use the same tactics everywhere we go. Yeah. It's it basically all depends on it it depends on the that current situation on that particular area. So it'll be hard for me to tell you a specific strategy that's going to work in Michigan for sure. example. Right. You know, cuz you could you could hunt one side of an area in Michigan and then you could flip around to the other side 2 miles down the road and you're dealing with a completely different situation exactly. and scenario. Yeah. But overall that's what we did in michigan is we spread we had the luxury of a pretty large crew ted had a tag in our group and joe and dan had tags with the hunting beast that's right and the rest of us were just editing during the day so we could jet out and cruise around at prime time and glass you know different areas and speed scout and stuff and that's how we got on the deer
0: and that's what joe did joe get one
2: Yes, Joe did kill a buck.
0: That's right. And he
2: killed a buck on one of the one of the heavy, most heavily pressured areas that we hunted all week.
1: Jeez.
2: But because, that's why I brought up the situation thing, because we were hunting an area where there was a river bottom taking up uh, probably 50% of the public land there, mm-hmm. and it had flooded really bad. There was a ton of rain that came in. I remember that. In.
0: I remember that this fall.
2: When that happened, all that bedding habitat in the river bottom got flooded out, so the deer had to be in one spot. I and see. Yeah. After a couple of days, all the hunters figured that out, but regardless, the deer they weren't leaving. They were still there. And that night that Joe killed his buck, he saw numerous other hunters and got down and changed changed setups multiple times until he got to the very, very back of the property where those deer could bed. Yeah. Right up against that water and that's where he killed that buck. He actually him and Jake hung the stand, I think, within fifty yards of those bucks bedded. And they got up and started browsing on acorns right after they got up there. And then Ted got on a couple of mature bucks the last day of the hunt on an area that we speed scouted four days before that, just from the road. Because that's what we would do in the middle of the day. We'd go hunt in the morning for a little bit. And then in the middle of the day, we would just go A to B to C, like I said a while ago. It's like driving down the road. You're looking at maps, one of you is looking at maps, and the other one is driving and observing Just like we're cruising around. Parked, yep. right? Cruising around, and then, and then you'll both be like, well, let's, let's check this real quick. And then, you know, one of us will jump out, run in the woods, maybe be gone an hour or so, run down in there and, and start looking for fresh sign. And if we don't find what we're looking for, we bail and go to the next one. If we do, we mark it on on X and go to the next one.
0: How often are you are you driving and seeing or maybe seeing a deer and putting a stock on it and actually having it uh, work out?
2: That does happen occasionally, more often in open terrain for obvious reasons. Yeah. You right. know, like in Michigan, that's real real tough to do cuz it's thick and there's lots of there's lots of timber and woods, but we're doing that more in the rut, you know, right. in open in open country. And when we were up in Michigan last year, it was early October.
0: That's right. So man, those bucks
2: right. are, are way back in security cover, not moving very far during during the daytime, you know. Yeah, I had a, so. a,
0: an in, in, instance where I'm driving back from town in Wisconsin this year, and I saw the biggest buck I've ever seen just getting ready to cross the road right into public land. And so that's that's when I pulled off them in, like, my jammies mm-hmm. just— your jammies? My jams, man. Yeah, it was it was, the end of, uh, that was the day after, I think, the death march into the <laughs> survival Inc. Yeah, I saw him, and I, I tried, to get, tried to get up. I'm like, there's. I mean, this is the only shot I'm going to ever have at this deer. It's mm-hmm. just right at the entrance of this place, and I uh, didn't get a chance at him. But I'm, like, jumping out. I'm like, I'm in, you know, sweatpants, and I got my Crocs on. But you never Camp know. Camp Crocs. Camp Crocs. Those are key. Oh.
2: Yeah, man. You never know. You just got to be ready to adapt. That's the biggest thing. Because the situation's ever changing with whitetails, especially.
0: Well, my dream was to shoot one and just stroll back into camp with a giant buck in the back of the truck. I would have lost my. That would have been awesome. Like, hey guys, I need you to help lost carrying the triplets. groceries. <laughs> yeah. So, the biggest mistake you can make when you're choosing a location, what would you say
2: that would be? I would say hemming yourself into one spot like what you all talked about a while ago yeah that's what we see the most is as somebody will get dead set on camping in an area and hunting right next to camp and finding some deer sign and then being like okay i'm gonna sit right here yeah you know and, and maybe yeah. they don't sit in the same spot but maybe they're just hunting that same area over and over and over again and they're they're not moving to where the deer are right now they're hunting where the deer were last week you're just and not, that's
0: not adjusting like you should
2: right you're not adjusting and that's the thing with deer. the way the deer season falls for most of us in the, the early fall running through the middle of the rut for archery hunting anyway the deer are constantly changing their patterns like every week it's changing if you're hunting rubs that were made two or three weeks ago and and deer sign that is somewhat old you know you're a good chance you're out of the game, especially yeah. if it's early October like that. During the rut, you can kind of get lucky sometimes and just have a buck come strolling through. Right,
0: that's a, I'm always productive. banking on that luck. Mm-hmm. I, I like I like the luck. Oh man, I'll take it any
2: day <laughs> of the week. Absolutely.
0: How much of your that's, success would you say chalk up to to like your ability and luck? Like what's the what's the ratio?
2: Oh, for deer, it's mostly
0: luck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: we can get mad at some turkeys sometimes and go out there and, and make one of them die. It right. Like. <laughs> but with, the, with deer, it, there's an enormous amount of luck involved. I mean, especially when you're bow hunting a deer. I mean, you're just not going to get very many opportunities. You're not. I mean, even if you hunt all the time. So you can do everything right and still walk away with a unfilled tag right Mm -hmm. when you're bow hunting because there's an enormous amount of of luck involved with that you got to put yourself in the right situation over and over again for it to eventually pay off you know and that's really if there is any skill to it that's where it probably is is just putting yourself in the right situation
0: well and you guys i mean one to your credit luck comes into play for the person who's just out there a lot you know, yep. and so you guys, are I mean, right. are hammering it all year long, which I would imagine has to get like has to wear on you mentally at some point. What, what point of the year are you just mentally tired?
2: Oh, deer season isn't too bad. It's more of a marathon instead of a sprint, so it's like we'll hunt pretty hard for a three to five day span. And then take a couple of days off because we've got to get caught up on editing or or whatever you know dealing with business stuff yep. and and then seeing the family of course and then you can go back after it you know in the rut we hit it a little bit harder for like a three week straight period where we where we start to get zapped a little bit because you're just hunting nonstop right but yeah deer season isn't too bad because that's the way we look at it usually unless we're unless we're only in a state for say five to seven days.
0: Yeah. Those are when
2: you really get zapped. It's not necessarily at the end of a long season where you're worn out. Right. It's those trips, man, especially if you go back-to-back back where you, you get to a state and you hunt like five to seven days, and then you pack up camp and you head to another state to hunt five or oh, seven yeah. days. <laughs> By the end of that second trip, you're pretty much toast just because you're spending every ounce of energy and time trying to figure that area out and right. get one You know, get a deer in that short time frame that you're there. Yeah, those trips, man, they they wear you out. Especially when you're trying to edit videos. Well, I was going to say,
0: on top of that, you got to go back. Because, like, you know, that was some of the, what, what we were like. We'd get in, we'd be like, we got to record a podcast. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, like, that is the last thing I want to do right now. Oh,
1: yeah. Sometimes you just want to sit there and relax. Right. Maybe crack a (laughs) beer.
2: Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah. You guys. Oh, yeah. And
2: I'm not complaining about this at all. No, no, no. You think about the amount of energy you expend in a day deer hunting. You get up at 4 a.m., then you walk a couple miles in with all this gear and you hang everything up. Yeah. eat like crap all day pretty <laughs> right. much right eating peanut butter sandwiches and granola bars and cliff bars and whatever i should own shares and cliff bars because yeah. i've <laughs> ate so many of the it's things. not con- come out like a cliff it's bar not too.
0: conducive to having a real consistent schedule if you know what i'm saying no nah,
2: no nah, you're sleeping four or five hours and then you're outside i mean essentially expending a ton of energy all day trying to kill one of these deer right and then you come in after that and you're I mean, you're just ready to hit the hay immediately, and got to edit videos to try to get them out. So it's pretty taxing on those on those trips, I like guess. Are you? What's
0: the thing? You know, when say you're real zapped, and you just are like, you know, I'm, I need some errand time. What What are you doing? <laughs> what are whoa, you, whoa, whoa! Not that. Where are we going? What, what's What's the thing that you're doing that like that kind of gets you back ready to go? Man, I don't.
2: I just like to be able to go home and sleep for like fourteen hours straight. <laughs>
0: a small coma. I mean, just a small coma, yeah, short one.
2: Yeah, get home, nuke some supper in the microwave and watch Netflix for about an hour and then just sleep for 12 14 hours and then I'm good.
0: What's your but I gotta uh, have
2: that night every once in a while to catch what's up.
0: What's your go to Netflix show? Ooh. Oh
2: man, I'm always about documentaries and whatnot on there. I nerd out pretty bad on Do those. you? What, yeah,
1: what's usually the topic of choice? Yeah, that's interesting.
2: I'm mean, um, <laughs> interested. I watch everything. I get into the political stuff. I get into all those old like OJ Simpson murder trials. Oh, stuff yeah, Just, yeah. <laughs> I mean any any of that any documentary is of interest. I watch a bunch of those documentaries on aliens on there. Not oh well yeah, ago. you got to watch is that, those. Is that the My old man bought me some book. From Bob Lazar or something. Yeah, said that he worked at Area 51, and I don't know. Yeah, I, man, I'm in, I'm into all that weird crap.
0: So, are you convinced that there are aliens? Is Area 51
2: <laughs> containing an alien? I don't know. This my is getting dad deep. To, my dad used to work on like some top secret stuff as an engineer when I was a kid, and I've asked him a bunch about it, and he's like, "Yeah, a lot of that stuff is top secret. They don't want you to know about it." Dad. And so, on his deathbed, will he tell you? do You think? Nah. I mean, no. I, I don't know. He he may be he may be full of it too. <laughs> it's hard to say. You know, but. if
1: you're keeping a secret for that long. I'm going down with it. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? <laughs> You're not you going to yeah, the I end.
0: Know. I went this far. No one's getting this truth. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'd be terrible. I'd tell you immediately. <laughs> what you you do, wouldn't yeah, believe the weird he shit. He knows
2: about how all that top secret clearance stuff works because he, he worked in some of those environments. So when I yeah. started asking him about you know, all this Area of 51 Los Alamos stuff out in the desert, yeah, he was like, "Yeah, that sounds about right." I mean, they're pretty tight with their security, <laughs> so I'm like, "Classic dad." So I'm like, "There's aliens out there?" Then he's like, "I don't know about that." So I don't know. I mean, or maybe he does. Some know. of those Netflix documentaries are pretty interesting. Some of them are pretty far fetched too. So
0: yeah. So going back to to hunting, <laughs> although yeah, was, we could talk aliens, you know. Um, <laughs> what thing do you do? that makes you successful that that people don't do generally you know I, and you can't say you know it can't be as broad as you stay mobile like what's what's a specific thing that you do that kind of makes you, 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 think, you think is your, your unique yep. yeah go-to strategy
2: adapting to the situation i would say and that that's not just me that's kind of our whole group yeah we all hunt a little bit differently if you watch the videos we all kind of have our own unique personalities and styles but yeah. the one thing that we we constantly harp on and i would say we agree on is adapting to the situation or just situational tactics in general right but what we what i feel like we're we've got better at anyway is going in to an area say a hundred acre property or whatever a public land a hundred acre square of public land and being able to dive in there and in a couple hunts figure out the best spot to find a buck in that area yeah, within just within a few hunts, just by you know creeping in there, observing, reading the sign, and then trying to get ourselves in the correct setup for that situation, which might be on the ground, it might be in a tree, it might be accessing through a creek. I mean, it might be using a decoy. It might be spot and stalk. Yeah. All these different th- these different tactics mm-hmm. come into play, and, and are dictated by that situation in general.
0: Yeah, I feel like some of you guys. I feel like maybe it's Zach who's on the ground a lot. Is that him? Zach
2: loves hunting on the ground. Yeah, I do too. He does not like hunting in a tree. He used to hunt in the tree some, but he just got sick of packing everything. And Smart. I, yeah, I, I, I love hunting on the ground too. I mean, it's extremely effective. But I would say the vast majority of Zach's hunts are on the ground. Yeah. And for guys like me and Ted, we probably hunt on the ground half of the time. Okay. And the other half of the time, we're in a saddle in a tree somewhere. But it it all comes back to I mean even Zach will say the same thing if he finds a situation where he feels more confident in a tree he'll get in the tree because right. he usually has his saddle and steps with him you know and it's the same thing with me if I feel like we can, if I feel like we can see further and observe more up in the tree You're good. then yeah. that's where we're gonna go yep
0: now if you you all all you guys no no if you guys are gonna have a shooting con competition. Hmm. Who's the best shot of your group with a bow? Greg. Greg is. That really? was a quick reaction. Yeah, he I, didn't he shoot a, a traditional too. I think I feel like I saw him take a take a recurve out once. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. He he shoots traditional every once in a while. Yeah, nice.
1: You kind of does. said it like you have a little vendetta against Greg. Yeah. No, wow. no. Nah,
2: nah, I just know like he's the best shot. I've like, oh yeah, funny. he outshot me every year. Hey,
1: hey ask us nah. who's
0: the best shot between
1: me and Jared. That's no. Who? Me. That's a lie. You think it's you? I did have to jump. I did. (laughs) I did have to jump in the lake last year. You did turkey. I lost.
0: Well, what was it? Yeah, we had some competition. Loser had to jump in that half frozen
2: pond. God, that was freezing. The best part is we had a guy from. We might be better shots too if we had that sort of outcome on the line.
0: You know, it's it gets you ready. We had you jump in, and then somehow we convinced Matt, the cameraman. We just told him to hit the target. Yeah. Oh yeah. With the recurve, if he could hit the target, he had never shot a recurve before. And he missed, three obviously. Three shots.
1: He got three shots.
0: Yeah, and, and he kind of knew it was coming, and he yeah. jumped right I'll give it to him. First time he ever filmed for us, and he jumped right in. Bold. Bold um, stri- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's, you know, that's I feel like that's simulating, you know, being effective. Yeah, yeah
1: a lot I kind of want to know. You guys get into these scenarios where you go out and speed scout for a little bit. Do you ever go out and disagree on a spot? Oh, yeah. All the time. And then how, like, you guys all have obviously the same mindset, but say half wants to do option a and the other half of the group wants to do option b how do you guys determine you know who which way to go
2: uh i mean we usually just end up going with you know whatever at the time and going to the other spot later yeah Yeah. because when like we were talking about a while ago there's an there's real high odds in a deer hunt that it's going to be dictated by luck so yeah you could you could a couple guys could have enormous amount of confidence in one spot Mm -hmm. and the other half of the group wants to go somewhere else it still is going to there's still going to be a a large portion of that that's dictated by luck so you're not gonna you don't really know until you get in there and get to looking around actually hunting the area which is going to be better one spot may have four or five more bucks than the other one but it may be way harder to hunt than you know the other one, so sure. it's hard to say, really.
0: You guys getting a lot of disputes with over this? Like, is there That's arm what wrestling? On. Oh yeah, That's yeah.
2: What Oh yeah, we're always arguing about where to go and who should be who should go where and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Just put on the gloves and duke it out. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, when it comes down to is like I said at the end of the day with deer, it's like, well, if you want to go there, then go there. I don't. I mean, I, there'll be several times when I don't agree with Ted or Jake or whatever on where they want to go. Yeah. Because I don't think that there's near the amount of bucks in that area as there is in some other areas. But, hey, if you go in there and you kill the one that's living in there, then it was totally worth it. I hate when Jared says that to me.
0: When We'll we'll be disputing something. He's like, hey, man, if you want to go there, go ahead. Just go ahead. (laughs) Whenever he drops it, I feel like that's the nuclear... bomb. I'm like, you suck. No, I don't want to go there anymore. <laughs> that's, that's that's my problem, man. It's, he follows me around. No, I no, you're like, oh, if you don't want to go, I'm like, well, I wanted to go there. And then you, you said that. And now
1: I'm like, well, what are you, you holding out of me? No, I'm not holding out. But just sometimes, like, if you want to go there, just go. I'm going to go over here. Yeah. Try well, this
0: spot. Your spot's dumb. It's
1: usually not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So, where right Usually at, is well, yeah, when were looking at when you're looking at a spot, what's the ideal? so, I mean, obviously you're found you found a spot with no pressure. What's the ideal like feature that you're looking on when you're looking at like an aerial photo of of an area? Like is it a pinch point? Is it a draw? what what are you What's your favorite
2: spot type of spot? We like water a lot, yeah. We're always drawn to a piece of diverse habitat across water, or in the middle of a marsh, or along the edge of one, or you know, near a creek in the center of a property where you'd have to walk or wade or float to yeah. to get there. That's usually where our focus goes, it, and and we're always looking for edge transition and habitat diversity. Right. So when you're looking at an aerial, you know, you maybe if you're in the Midwest, you're looking for a creek. In some sort of an open area next to a thick area and all of that kind of where that all comes together there's probably going to be a good amount of deer sign that you can backtrack this embedding close by sure and access is what it always comes down to like i said for whatever reason we find ourselves hunting near or around water very often you guys and throwing out just the waders like, and
0: stuff to get out there
2: yeah yeah or or using the canoe and that sort of thing i mean just seems like big bucks like to be even in the rut in in the early season they they just want to be close to that water because it's it's usually a barrier of some kind to predators and if it's shallow enough they can use it as an escape route to get away from pressure consequently they'll they'll be living fairly close to it and that doesn't always you know every situation is incredibly diverse and different in its own way but The thing that deer always want is some sort of a habitat diversity or an edge to bed near. You know, we just won't walk into the middle of a big, thick patch of cedars unless there's some sort of a mixture and habitat in the middle of it.
0: Yeah, otherwise they're just not going to be walking directly through the middle. Uh, Yeah. Now, how how deep are they going to be? Willing to go regularly, like, are they going to be regularly willing to go up to their chest in water, or is it like you know ankle deep, or you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like w- w- on those transition, how how wet are they getting on, on a regular
2: basis? Oh, I mean, they'll go, they'll swim if yeah. they have to,
0: right? If they have to, but I'm saying like the regular routine, unpressured deer. You know what have you seen?
2: uh Most of the time, just you know knee deep water. Yeah, that's what they're they're comfortable crossing in, and what we're hunting often is creeks that are that are just a little bit too deep for you to walk across in knee boots but not too deep where you know a deer couldn't just walk across it at any and anywhere in the creek you know but those are the ones you find us floating in kayaks and canoes often
0: right you can get you in know. there real quick and then i think i feel like I, I saw you guys mention a lot those little fingers out on islands and stuff where they're They'll be betting, especially like bucks betting on those little fingers pointing out in the
2: swamps and stuff. Oh, yeah. That happens frequently. Yep. And and sometimes they'll be out in the middle of the swamp, but only if there's some sort of diversity out there. Like a
0: clump of trees or something. So like a
2: clump of you know. trees, exactly. Yep. 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 And the same goes with like open grass or CRP type habitat. It might just be a fence row that corners with another fence row out in the middle of a bunch of grass. Yep. that might be the spot that they that they feel most comfortable bedding in it just it it always has to do with that diversity
0: yeah that that's what i've noticed too that that edge whatever that edge might be between two things um is generally you're going to see it's there
2: you could apply that to big wood scenarios as well right you know and in big woods like hill country big woods you'll have maybe a certain type of oak tree that grows on the ridges and on the tops And then as you fall off into the ditches in the lower elevations, a different type of tree starts becoming more prevalent there.
0: And that's where they're going to be along. Right.
2: There'll be an edge there between the two habitat types. It's not not real easy to see on a map, but once you get there and put boots on the ground, it all starts to come together a little
0: bit. Well, that's, that's, I mean, this has been great information. You guys uh, guys have, I'm sure you're done for the year or do you have a couple more hunts? Nope, we're done. You're done
2: we're done we're planning for turkey season now
0: are you you got some big plans for uh, 2020
2: uh yeah we're gonna try to hunt some new states and try to see some new country and just continue to challenge ourselves looking at different areas and whatnot haven't really decided where we're gonna go yet this fall but good chance we'll be in a or indiana which are two states that we have not deer hunted in yet interesting
0: yeah there's a good hunting culture in pa we've we've got a lot of contacts out there and it seems like they're they're very similar to michigan out there in a lot of ways well hey aaron uh i appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on the uh, boga hunting podcast and hang out with us tell us a little bit about your approach to finding you know new states and new areas for for the people listening in where can they find more information about you and, and you guys
2: just go to the hunting public on youtube we also have videos on amazon or follow us at the hunting public on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Cool. Sweet. Well,
0: excellent, man. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Hey, no problem, guys.
0: Yeah. Have a good one. Yeah, thanks. You too, thanks Thanks for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you like what you hear and you wanna follow along on what we're currently up to, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on and follow us on Instagram. Join us next week as we start a new topic for March by covering tuning your bow. We'll cover things like arrow selection, paper tuning, sighting in your bow, and then putting things all together.